No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. You could go on tour. You could. could. You could go to a shop. You could. You could do both of those things. Or you could kill two birds with one stone and get on the bus and go to shoptourbus.com and get yourself a Grateful Dead inspired t-shirt with a Grateful Dead song told in picture on it or a hoodie or a sticker or other amazing merch from our friends at Shop Tour Bus. Yeah, that's right. And they're hooking the No Simple Road family up with free shipping when you put in the promo code No Simple Road. All one word. That's right. You're going to get free shipping from our friends over at Shop Tour Bus. You're also going to get a one of a kind box with an all over printed one of their amazing logos on it. Or you can ask for a hand design one of a kind box. And some of you lucky folks out there are going to get a Grateful Dead bootleg. bootleg. That's in right. Your box. Yeah, that's right. A Who real- knows what year? Who knows what? set who knows anything but it's going to be fun it will be fun that's well, for sure and i love right now right now that if you go to their instagram at shop tour bus you will see that they're they're preparing everybody for this back to school thing that's getting ready to happen with back to school outfits for parents teachers kids and families who need a <laughs> boost as we prepare for cheerful drop-offs new Aww. classroom nerves brave bus rides and the general high highs and low lows of returning to school boom there it is you could deck your kids out in all grateful dead stuff and they could start teaching the other kids at school about what grateful dead songs mean you could start them early man so go to shoptourbus.com put in the promo code no simple road all one word and get yourself hooked up We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, The Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. 
This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongssummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. something extra everybody hey no no simple road family how's it going welcome hey, back Aaron and mel and apple and we are bringing you something special this two week. two episodes this week yeah. you can't say we haven't done nothing nice for y'all you're welcome yeah. and this one is special because uh you've heard this before this is one of our favorite repeating guests and this is going to continue on this is the owsley stanley foundation oh yeah yeah they have a new release welcome back yeah and I think that they are are our most repeated guest. Yes, for I feel sure. Like if No Simple Road um, was like a channel, this would be a series, like a little. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like this, uh, these Owsley Stanley um, episodes are really like I'm try, trying musical to history lessons. Well, not no, that's not what I was going to say. But like we are spearheading this whole like journey of Owsley Stanley Foundation. We started with them from the very beginning. Yes. That's and true. so we are chronicling each one of these incredible musical escapades that they're going through. And thanks to Dennis McNally, they now have a home on No Simple Road. Yeah. And, you know, the like I was saying just a second ago, these releases are musical history lessons. And, they really are. And this one is probably the deepest musical history lesson of any of them that they've done yeah the, this one is uh this is the chieftains um and it's called the fox hunt and this is um jerry garcia's specific request for them to play before olden in the way yeah so there was a weekend in san francisco where olden in the way played and the chieftains opened for them and there has never been a recording of that released so you did never have the complete show. And now you have, you can listen to this release of the Chieftains and then you can listen to Olden in the Way and you'll have the complete yeah. evening. And, and what, what this does, this, this comes with, I would say, their most complex book so far. Oh, it's gorgeous. It gets very into, and the connection here is is bringing the connection between bluegrass that, you know, from United States 
with the music from Ireland. Yeah, Irish where the chieftains music. are from, and then this kind of sums it up here too. They, I mean, these these guys they they went over to uh, Dublin, Ireland, to sit down with Patty Maloney, who is you know helped start the chieftains and is a champion of like Irish traditional music and also breaking those traditions by continuing to play things that weren't quite traditional and take it in another another level the same way that jerry did with bluegrass yeah and they went over there and they got to sit down and interview him to write up this awesome booklet that goes along with it Is it 33 pages like 30 something pages and not too long after they were over there patty passed away so this really grabs a piece of history and there's a quote here on the side from patty maloney i love them both and this is this is two separate performances on one of the CDs is 1973 performance in San Francisco, and then again in 76. And Patty says, I love them both. They contain love, lovely subtleties that don't normally happen. And this was his reaction after listening to both of Bear's tapes, which he had never heard. Oh, wow. Really? Uh, yeah, nobody, they hadn't heard these. Well, if you, don't, if you haven't listened to the other Alice Stanley Foundation um, interviews here on No Simple Road, Here's the story. Bear recorded all kinds of music around the country while he was alive. And there are these reel-to-reel recordings that are aging. Uh, Reel-to-reel recordings are magnetic. The tapes are magnetic. And over time, the magnetism of those tapes disappears. And whatever's on those reels will be lost. So uh, Starfinder, Stanley, and Hawk started the and Peter and Peter started the Owsley Stanley Foundation as a way to preserve the reels that bear recorded because each one is a very unique um, specific and important musical journey and they didn't want to lose that so you supporters can go to the Owsley Stanley Foundation website and you can sponsor a reel so what that means is you pay a certain amount of money, you sponsor a reel, you don't know what's on it, and then you get your name in the liner notes of that release if and when that is released. Because some of the they don't know what's on these tapes a lot of the time. And when you sponsor a reel, that gets them in the studio to be able to start remastering the thing, and then they find out what's on it along with you. So it could be crazy nothingness, or it could be another Grateful Dead show that nobody knows about or the Chieftains. Somebody sponsored this reel. Well, so. And then yeah. they go and they flew to Dublin to interview uh, Patty, who had was a huge part of the Chieftains, like the manager or something like no, that. He was right? the he was, dude that played in the Chieftains. He, he was? Started, yeah. But there was, he was another connection at the end, too. I haven't... Anyway, whatever. But they what they're doing is that they're investigating on top of everything yeah. else they're putting yeah, this together I, I said they're musical detectives yeah they're detectives so like this is like a fun i don't know it's just like a fun experiment and a fun project to be well, like uh and if, part of and if you go to the owsley foundation site it gives a big you know an introduction to this but i was going to read just to this this kind of pulls it together for there's a lot to be said but the 1973 recordings find the chieftains on their first tour in the u.s playing an unscheduled gig at Jerry Garcia's invitation to open for his bluegrass band, Old and in the Way. The evening presented the perfect pairing of Irish traditional music and its cousin, American bluegrass. Bear's recordings of Old and in the Way cemented his reputation as a master of live concert recordings. 
This is the missing half of that story, both sonically and musically, and one of the gems of Bear's Sonic Journal archive. And then the 1976 recording includes a second complete concert recorded by Bear, this time at the Great American Music Hall. So a completely different venue. It was sold out, much larger venue. They, they had gained traction in the United States, and so they sold this one out at a bigger hall, and this just kind of, it shows a comparison like three years later. And here's the thing with these releases. It, sure, you can listen to them on like Apple Music or Spotify if that's your prerogative, but these are meant to be held. Mm-hmm. The CD and, well, the vinyl too, man, is the artwork that's on all of these is astounding, psychedelic, amazing artwork. There's a booklet in, in with each one of them that tells the entire story. So you're getting not just the music, but you're getting something that you'll be able to keep forever that's amazing. And for No Simple Road to be involved with anything that has to do with Owsley, is a huge honor and for us to be part of helping spread the word about these releases is a huge honor for us here and i hope that the guys know that that we take this as seriously as they do and and that it's a a labor of love for us as well to be able to be a mouthpiece for you guys and help spread the word on this so if if all of you listening are so inclined go to the osley stanley foundation website and pick yourself up the vinyl or or the cd for this and the artwork that they did for this particular release for, for the Chieftains, there's an Easter egg. Don't say what it is. There's an Easter egg on the cover art that you have to find. There's, there's something special in there. So go grab yourself the, the vinyl or the CD and then um, look for that Easter egg that's in there because it's really cool. Yeah, and, and just to throw it out there too, this is that the, they're, they're not asking a lot for something that they put so much of their yeah, heart they and traveled souls into. overseas for this this is it's 25 dollars for this cd set. really yeah 25 dollars comes with this amazing booklet and the double cd set um I'm, I'm looking at it right now i was looking to see the price and that that amazes me yeah that's that's crazy wow well yeah let's let's get him to the interview all right uh, hey, everybody, we're going to do the business real quick. Follow No Simple Road on Twitter and Instagram at No Simple Road. Go to www.nosimpleroad.com. Get yourself some NSR merch. Find out where we're going to be with our calendar of events. You can sign up for a tarot reading with Mel and I. That's with right. The Grateful Dead Tarot Deck. We'll give you a one-hour reading. You'll get a playlist based on the cards that you pull, and we'll hang out for an hour on Zoom and give you a tarot reading if you got some burning question that you want to know about. And the Grateful Dead Tarot Deck seems like a good um, avenue for you to reach out to. Hit us up, and we'll do that with you. Also, you can go to Apple Music and leave a five-star review. That helps other Apple people. Apple Podcast. What did I say? Apple Music. Oh, yeah. Apple Podcast. We're not right. on there yet. Wait till our band comes out. That's then right. we'll be there. That's oh. right. <laughs> Apple Podcast. Leave a five-star review. That helps other people find out about the show. We have only had one review. In August. Yeah, August 9th. We had a very where, nice review. Where, where, come on, somebody. Throw us one before uh, the, the end of the month. Yeah, man. That, that would be super cool, y'all. And then you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash no simple road and help support the no simple road journey man that's you know that's the best way to say it put a gas in our car help us out yeah we're on a journey journey. 
We are on a journey. Give us a gas card. That's all. <laughs> Two episodes this week, man. Yeah. That's that's you know the time energy. That's not and worth then, fifty cent to you. Come on. Yeah, that's that's not asking a lot. That's not asking a lot. That's a you know a buck a month. That's twenty five cents Dang. an episode. Damn. You know, flick a quarter at us. We got a sweatshop going over here. Just flick a quarter at us each week. <laughs> Bam, you know. There you go, NSR. And then let's not forget the tepid line because yeah. that's where you can call in and do whatever you feel like doing. You Nine, can ramble, one, ask a question, eight, whatever. Oh, eight. 1524. What, what was is, that again, Mel? 971-808-1524. Did you there say 971-808-1524? I sure did. Okay, that is cool. what he said. All right. Yeah, that's what everybody said. Yeah. So that's all the No Simple Road business. I think I got everything in there. I think I might have forgot something, but hey, you, you got the gist. This is the second one this week. And um, yeah, make sure you come hang out with us. We're going to be at O'Teal and Friends in a couple of weeks. We're going to be at Camp Suds. If you haven't gotten tickets for that, come hang out with us at Camp Suds. We're going to be podcasting live along with um, Cycles is going to be there. Bodie Mojo, Family Mystic, Sponge, a bunch of other great Pacific Northwest acts are going to be doing their thing out there. And we're going to be podcasting live. We'd love to see all of you there. And with that, we're going to get you to the interview. Yeah, here we go. Without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you the The Owsley Stanley Stanley Foundation. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. How's it going? Pete, I'm I'm Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you, man. And I'm Mel over here, Pete. We've had these other wonderful gentlemen on before, but not you, so we're stoked. Yeah. We're stoked to have your side of it. Good to meet you. Yeah. So, and then I'm, I'm out. You're not going to let me oh, introduce yeah. Sorry, myself. Oh. <laughs> and I'm Apple. It's good to have you here, Pete. Thanks so much. This uh, This release that we're here to talk about, I think is the strangest and coolest thing you guys have done yet (laughs) by far. And that's saying a mouthful, (laughs) you know, in lieu of the company that we're in right now, um, you know, it's wasn't what I expected when we saw you at, um, at peach, you know, you, you didn't tell us what was coming. You just told us (laughs) that you had something coming up. As and, usual. And my mind was was like filling in the blanks with all kinds of stuff. And I have to admit, man, this was not not on the list of things that I thought. Like, can you guys talk to us a little bit about this and, and how this one came about? Oh, sure. Um, who wants to go first? That's you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, the, the, the chieftains are, you know, uh, legendary internationally renowned group. Uh, it also, um, Irish traditional music is, you know, if you've noticed in sort of the narrative arc of our releases, every release is trying to explore a different musical idiom uh, that Owsley enjoyed, um, taped, kept the tapes for 50 years. Uh, these in particular, uh, we found copies of these tapes that he had made for himself uh, in Australia, we found them in multiple locations and multiple copies made uh, in the vault. Uh, it was a tape that he clearly loved, particularly the October 1st, 1973 tape. Uh, I think he realized not only did he have a personal connection with the Chieftains uh, that came largely out of the 1976 recording and the experiences, you know, hiking through the Redwood Forest with some of the band members uh, and that sort of thing. But he knew in the 73 performance, remember they were opening for, the, for Olden in the Way at Jerry Garcia's request. Nobody in the United States really knew who the Chieftains were outside of small pockets. Uh, this was their first US tour. They had played 
you know, one gig in New York, I think in 72, 71, maybe, um, which interestingly enough, uh, John and Yoko Ono attended. It was at the Irish Center in okay. Brooklyn. Uh, they came in late, watched the show, and then left early so they didn't get mobbed. Uh, but the band members could see them come in and, and sit down and then, and then quietly leave. So people knew who the Chieftains were outside of the U.S., knew about them in the U.K. Certainly they were big in, in Ireland. Right. Um, and they'd been, been playing together for a decade. But when Jerry invited them to open for Olden in the Way, they were relatively unknown. And uh, I think it's probably likely that Owsley hadn't heard them before, but Owsley had a great love of uh, you know, traditional music and traditional folk music and forms that, you know, from his background, sort of born, you know, I think his family's from Kentucky and uh, he grew up in Northern Virginia and the fiddle playing, uh, you know, and bluegrass music were a huge part of his background mm -hmm. as it was for Jerry. And Jerry heard this musical connection uh, between the chieftains and the bluegrass music that he loved to play. Um, and so invited them to play and bear obviously heard immediately the immeasurable talent that these guys had. Mm -hmm. And I think bear also realized immediately that, you know, the sound quality of these recordings is otherworldly. Mm -hmm. Um, this is the same, uh, essential setup, uh, as the old and in the way tape. Uh, that was made seven days later in the same venue. Uh, and he was using the same gear and the same mics. And, you know, um, and this is the, the, the lost half of that olden in the way sonic story. Um, oh. And it's, you know, perfect pairing uh, both sonically uh, in that the, you know, the, the, the music is the perfect uh, complement uh, in terms of the sound quality to that old and away release, but also the perfect pairing um, substantively with the idioms of music being paired that night and bluegrass essentially. And it's, and it's, uh, it's ancestor. Right. Um, wow. That was, that was the thing that really like struck me about this one was I actually was wondering recently, cause I, I just recently started learning how to pick bluegrass. And I was like, where did this music come from? Like wondering about it. And then this thing came in the mail <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, okay. That, fucking, that makes sense. There's Thanks, your guys. answer. Yeah. But you everything's can, connected along, yeah. along with the, along with the 30 page essay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, man. Like, Thanks universe. But like it, you can, when you listen to this recording, at least I can hear the, musical progression you can hear how bluegrass became or how this music became bluegrass you know these people immigrated from across the ocean to the united states and brought their traditional folk music with them and then moved into wherever in the united states down south and and other places and that music was now being infused with the vibe and the energy of be what it meant to be an american and live that life. And I, I only knew that story from bluegrass forward. I never understood that from, from this back. So this is not only a huge deal just to have the music put out, but I think for a lot of people like me, it's going to fill in the blanks where story. we didn't know the story before. Yeah, and, and frankly, we didn't know the story either. And it was interesting to to talk to Patty 
um, about that connection, but it's not a connection that he's been, that he was particularly clued in into. Like he, he knew that he wanted to do a bluegrass Irish traditional blending and he did it took 19 years after he played with the Olden in the Way on the same stage as Olden in the Way for him to actually do it. And it won a Grammy. It was an album called Another Country. And then he did two more down the old plank road and further down the old plank road, which were that same concept of blending these two incredibly connected musical heritages together. Mm-hmm. But we asked him to describe for us what the differences were. And basically he said, uh, go talk to Ricky Skaggs. <laughs> Ricky, Skaggs <laughs> Ricky Skaggs will set you straight. Right. Uh, and so we reached out to, to Ricky who uh, you know is a bit of a scholar in his own right, and certainly a legend in, in bluegrass. Mm-hmm. And you know, starting off, one of the first things he said was, you know, the first time I played in Ireland, I was invited to a party afterwards, a, a jam session basically with traditional musicians, and I was the only one from the band that wanted to go. I think he was playing with Emmy Lou Harris at the time. And he said he could hear the music playing as he got out of the taxi cab, and he walked up to the door and he went in, and when the door opened, he said he thought he died and gone to East Kentucky. <laughs> Um, and the, the connection that he heard immediately with the fiddle playing was like, this is, this is where my people come from. This is, this is the music that, you know, flows through my veins. And then when we got him talking, what, where, where our light bulbs started going off right and left was when he would talk about the instrumentation, because you notice that other than the fiddle, there's not a single instrument between bluegrass and Irish traditional music that is in common. Uh, there's no upright bass, there's no mandolin, there's no guitar. Um, instead, you've got pipes and, and you've got the Balron, the, the war drum. Uh, you've got uh, chimpan and like a dulcimer. Um, and uh, the, of course, the famous Irish, uh, you know, Irish harp um, that, that Derek Bell plays. It's all different instrumentation, but they fill different roles or they fill the same roles. They've got analogs in American bluegrass. And that's what Ricky Skagg walked us through. And he's like, well, you've got the guitar that came to America from Germany, and you've got the banjo that came up from African and and slave culture from the South. Um, The banjo essentially pushed out piping. And so the Illin pipes was, there wasn't enough room for pipes and banjo. And who's going to tell Earl Scruggs, you know, (laughs) get some pipes Uh, or get out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, and then, you know, the, the whole Bill Monroe forming bluegrass, uh, listening to his uncle Penn play the fiddle, uh, these ancient tunes that he, his relatives brought over when he came from Scotland. So there's this, this very direct connection, but it's still different, uh, significantly different. Right. Pete, where do you, where do you come in to this wild mix of fun? Well, I, you know, specifically on this one, it, um, on the bluegrass question, it, it, you know, if you go and read Beowulf or even Shakespeare in school, it's um, it's English, but it's way older. You could tell it's, it's different. Right. And, um, you know, I think on the bluegrass side, when you sit down and listen to the tapes, uh, they're exotic. You know, it's bluegrass, but it's uh, it's way older. Right. You get that feeling immediately. And, um, you know, so so when you you listen to these tapes let's say you put on olden in the way and you put on um the chieftains you're recreating what jerry wanted you to hear mm. back in 1973 first you hear the musical great grandparents and then you hear the bluegrass but they never sit in together you know they don't play with each other 
And so it would be another two decades before you get to hear well, what happens if um, that ancient music comes together with, um, with the new music. So that was a tremendously exciting moment when you, you fast forward to those newer albums where yeah. you, you get to hear them come together. Yeah. I, it's, it's such a, um, it's really important. I think that this is super important. Um, right now, especially there's a really big bluegrass resurgence going on not in no small part because of Billy strings, but other acts are, uh, there's more bluegrass bands right now than I've ever seen, you know? And I think, um, partly it was regional before. I think that was always going on, but I think that because of the popularity of it, we're getting to see these local bands travel now that wouldn't, wouldn't have had that opportunity with the popularity of the thing wasn't growing. And, I think it's really important for not only the fans, but also the musicians to understand what the history of what they're doing is. And also us as listeners understand where it came from, came from. It's kind of like, um, you know, for us talking to musicians and interviewing them changed our experience of seeing live music because now we understand the energy of the person that we're dealing with the heart we've got a chance to talk to them and feel you know who they are and 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 then when you go see it live now you're you're rooting for your friend and you're there participating in the musical experience and i think that understanding this history is a lot like meeting a musician for us because now we understand where it's coming from and now the listening is different I have different ears when I'm listening to bluegrass, you know? You know, and when we started listening to the music, um, it, in many ways it felt familiar. If, if you've ever been to Dublin, if you're lucky enough to go to a pub, they call it diddly-dee music. You, you hear this traditional music and it sounds kind of like bluegrass. And, um, you know, so I said to Patty, um, so just to set this part up, the founder of the Chieftains is Patty Maloney. And um, last August, we went to interview him and we spent two days playing the tapes for Patty and talking through um, song by song. And we could talk more about that later. Mm -hmm. But at the same time we were going through the tapes with him, we were going through the story and trying to understand this music. And I said, you know, well, how is this different than that pub music? And it was like the needle scratched across the record player. <laughs> he sat bolt upright. And, uh, you know, he, to him, he said, you know, I never wanted this to be pub music. This is not pub music. And what we gradually came to understand is that um, to New Year's, this sounds sort of like um, traditional Irish music. But Patty had this much bigger mission. Uh, he was trying to create an entirely new form of music. And it's a lot like what Duke Ellington was doing in the United States. And Duke Ellington was taking the vernacular. He was taking our instruments, our, our tunes, what you would hear in um, bars, what you would hear on porches, and elevate it and put it together with, um, into a higher art, into an orchestra. And this was happening to in Europe. This was happening with 
um, Dvorak, and uh, this was happening with Bartok in Hungary and in Prague. And they were trying to create national music out of their folk music. And Paddy was doing that for Ireland. You know, this is a country who had been beaten down by the British and they had lost so much of their history and their dignity. And this man was single-handedly, he was out there. He wanted to um, elevate this music. And we, it took our ears some time to gradually pick out that um, he, he was doing these wildly sophisticated compositions and uh, orchestrations. And, um, and we began to understand that um, it, he was doing something very different than the traditional music. He was reacting to it. So it, um, they, they would say it's um, traditionally untraditional. Oh. Or, um, did I get that exactly wrong? Untraditionally. <laughs> 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 Just exactly. Untraditionally traditional, traditionally untraditional. Uh, in any event, I mean, he's starting with uh, compositions, original songs that he's he's working with for hundreds of years old. Um, you know, it comes from an ancient tradition, and he was making it fresh with uh, adding his own flourishes. He was he was more of a composer uh, than anything else, a composer and band leader, and he got criticized uh, because sort of what he was doing was sort of neo-traditional Irish music. And of course the traditionalists want you to you know, don't break the rules now. You know, we got, this is set down. The music's supposed to be like this. And Patty's saying, no, I want to add this instrument and I want to add that instrument. And I want to build this up. So that's a much bigger sound than something you would ever hear in a pub. Um, but then, you know, we asked him the sort of, I'm really glad I asked it this question now, but um, it's, it's on the excerpts uh, on the CD. Uh, what would you tell your grandchildren about your music? Like, what's the thing that they should take away uh, if they've never, if, because if, we're thinking of, our, when I asked the question, I was thinking of our audience that, that isn't familiar with Irish traditional music. What should our audience be listening to? But I put it in the context of his grandchildren who are in the U.S. and, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic and he couldn't visit with them. And like, what would you tell them is important about your music? And the first thing he said, notwithstanding the fact that he, you know, look, folks, this isn't pub music. Uh, but the first thing he says is, I would want my children, my grandchildren to know that this is first and foremost a dance music. I would oh. want them to get up and move. Um, yeah. And, you know, that I think to me illustrates the split between the music of the big house and the music of the little house. The big house being the academia and the concert hall and the little house being the pub and the house party. Right. And both of those are combined in the Irish musical tradition dating all the way back to Carolyn. Um, and there are 10 Carolyn compositions on this chieftain's release that Bear recorded. Uh, and it, he, he could write an ode to whiskey and then also have a head chopping contest with the great composer, uh, uh, Italian composer, uh, Gimignani. Um, and, you know, draw in his composition from the, the high Baroque forms of the continent, uh, and also the, the music of the pub. And that's always been a part of the Irish tradition. And that's what makes it so great and complex. Right. And Patty was emphasizing that. I think too, like we see more crossover. I, I know that like, I've heard stories about dog and Jerry when they first started playing together, that dog was very traditional and, and wanted to be by the book. And Jerry was not when it came to bluegrass. And that was like a, thing that they found beautiful and playing with each other and and it worked out but we hear the same things now to today of the way bluegrass is um 
transforming and changing the art form is is expanding and evolving evolving yeah great word and there's traditionalists that are like what the fuck are you guys doing like this jam grass is bullshit (laughs) why you know the bluegrass that's not bluegrass and i had a conversation with somebody about this recently and like in my mind art isn't static art isn't finished do you know what I'm saying? Like, when yeah. our experience as human beings on this planet, we're alive and experiencing it until we're not. And that thing is changing and evolving the whole time. And art is the expression of the human being out in the world, right? And music even so much more so. So to say that an art form should be this way, I mean, I guess I understand its roots, but like... It's like you need to have the respect of the old older um you know lineage but at the same time you can't be afraid to have creative you know um you know influence over what you're learning and that's amazing that he wanted you to know that it was dance music because just think about what dance really is dancing is jovial and fun and extracurricular and it allows you to kind of shake away and and be silly and and forget about your static way of always moving and being and so for patty to really want to evolve this kind of music and let people know that it's dance that's that's a pretty lofty goal to put out there especially to his grandkids that like move and dance and have fun with this semi-traditional non-traditional music yeah. like that's incredible and what a like what a feat to to try to do you know in everybody's traditional you know way yeah you know that's fundamentally sophisticated composition yeah but it's grounded in dance music and don't ever lose sight of that no no matter how sophisticated it is no matter how many places like Carnegie Hall you play at the end of the day this music is about getting up and moving yeah. and it's so great to hear on the tapes you know, at the end, when they get to the carry slides, you know, you, you could hear the hall get up and dance. I'm, um, and that's that's some of the beauty of Bear's recordings, too, is you get to hear that stuff. The And we've talked about this before, but like really the only place that you're experiencing that even close is audience recordings of shows. You know what I mean? Where Where the mics are placed out in the crowd, you're hearing that stuff a little bit, but this is a whole other dimension of that, what Bear did with these recordings. And Starfinder, I'm, I'm wondering, like, as, as you guys are going through this, was there any particular challenges that this posed that was different than anything else as far as, like, the reels and the music that was contained there? Was there any surprises for you here? Um, well, I mean, the, um, this era was bear bear was bear was in his uh in his stride as it were um doing doing sound and and making recordings and so you know I, there there weren't that many hiccups um one thing that really was striking to us about um these two uh these two shows and uh, you know it, it uh hawk was was talking about how this is a uh it's a great pairing um, with Olden in the way because uh, you know, same venue, same week, and and you know this first show was actually opening for Olden in the way, um, and so you know you're if you listen to them side by side, you're you're getting a more full 
you know, bears on a journal sort of experience where you're, mm-hmm. you're, this is, this is how the audience experienced that night. They got the chieftains and then they got old men in the way. Um, but the other really cool element of this um, is that um, the second show um, several years later is in a different venue. It's at the great American music hall in San Francisco. And um, when we first were listening to the, um, to the tapes, you know, one thing that that was immediately apparent is, whoa, these sound really different. Why do these sound really different? And the answer is because they're in different places. And one of the things about Bear's recording was that he wasn't just capturing the band and the music um, that that they were creating, but he was capturing the space that the music was was happening in. And so the recordings have very distinctly embedded in them the sense of the hall. And so you can really, when you listen to disc one, and then you move on to the, the Great American Music Hall, um, you can hear the sound change. Um, and and the reason, and, you know, the the he probably mic'd them the same way. He he may even have been using the same exact microphones. Um, but the sound difference it, you're hearing is is the space that that they were in. Mm. That's that's so. I've wondered this before with with your other releases. Is there is there any documentation for you guys as to how these things were mic'd when you get these reels? Is there notes or like that's? My- I, I was wondering that because Hawk, you, you seem to know a lot about the mics and stuff. Yeah, was there like notes that went along with the recordings? There are very few notes that we have um, at all. We've got uh, this release in particular was probably the closest that we'll ever get. Uh, we found a, a live eyewitness, the house sound man uh, for the Great American Music Hall, whose memory is extraordinary. I mean, just incredibly detailed memory, remembered exactly what equipment Owsley brought with him uh, that night, how many mics he used, which wow. answered some um mysteries for us about the sound you know he he only had eight mics i was using uh two mx10s um and uh he told us where he mounted them that was down uh, where he set up the the recording was sort of down in the basement uh you know off to this the stage it'd be uh, audience left of uh great american music hall that there's a little little room down near the dressing rooms that he set up and then ran the wires from there um and he had eight mics, which the theory is that he mic'd the seven musicians and put two mics on the front and back of the Balron, the, the war drum. Uh, and that left no mic for the house PA. So every time Patty speaks to the audience, you're hearing Patty through the bleed from the PA system <clears throat> into the recording mics. So oh. it sounds like he's in, in a tunnel. And so we had to do some additional work because we realized that was the mic. So Bear had to make a decision. I only have eight mics. There's a house PA mic would be the ninth. I won't mic that because uh, this is a band that doesn't have any vocalists anyway. So let's mic all the instruments. And so he mic'd all the instruments, two on the drum, and the house mic was just um, you know, the, the PA system. So we had to do uh, a little bit of uh, um, adjustment to the sound on Patty's announcements on that. Uh, just a technology that didn't exist uh, two decades ago, uh, but we did re- de-reverb on on the sound of just on Patty talking to the audience 
so that you at home can hear him on on the tape. Wow. This is how fun this is for you. Like the, this one, I mean, because you are on all these like detectives, like music detectives. <laughs> yeah. And then, like in this one, you got some extra. I mean, because I imagine that too will help you understand future recordings. And when you hear something now, you'll be like, okay, we know he used this. That, that, man, this is awesome. Like figuring this out. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I wish she were here to, to tell us, you know, more. Yeah. Uh, I wish that we had more, um, you know, sort of documentation. Every once in a while, you'll see notes on the tape boxes, but half the time I can't understand what it means. Um, I mean, and, and we do have, we have, you know, things that he wrote to various people when he was corresponding, um, you know, he, and he, he um, you know, for like the, the book Year of the Dead, um, that, um, that's Blair Jackson, isn't it? Um, the uh see, grateful dead gear yeah on my bookcase the grateful dead gear the uh the blair jackson book um you know he talked to him extensively about the gear that he used so you know we can pull we can pull um you know tidbits from that and then talking to you know people that he worked with um you know and, and you know uh, like wiz and and, and alan rhodes and um and uh you know rick turner um you know who we just lost and and that was that was uh, just a horrible loss because uh you know it was so unexpected too and and we had we had just sat down with rick and and interviewed him and and um had so many more questions uh you know because he was he was an integral part of building the wall of sound and um you know he was right right there in the trenches um you know during all these really um seminal periods of, of of equipment building and, and instrument building um so you know we try to we try to get back to people um who were there um uh and you know sometimes uh the uh, the collective amnesia is <laughs> more, more profound than others um but uh you know uh sometimes we um we run into the the, the occasional fellow who um uh, what what was not was not fond of a little ganja and <laughs> <laughs> and has his memories intact. Seemed a lot better. Yeah. We, it's funny. After after several interviews with with this guy's name is Lee Brinkman. I mean, he's just phenomenal. Uh, you know, we were so blown away by his memory. We actually had to ask him, like, do, do you smoke pot? <laughs> oh, I can't. Am, like, he's like, no, actually, I didn't. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Well, that's apparent, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Like now we know. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> I, the other thing that that's amazing about this, and it's true with all the stuff that you guys have put out, but the the booklet that comes with this thing is, I mean, that's an interview in itself. You know what I mean? That what you guys got written down there, like you said, it's thirty pages, and then just the. I know that people don't buy cds as much as they used to and and that's sad because of stuff like this like yeah it's so dope it it is it's i mean i feel like people should get the cd even if they don't have a cd player just for (laughs) just for the book Mm -hmm. um and and you know it's it's a it's a topic of internal conversations uh for us Uh, how do we how do we get this material to people who who are all digital i mean digital is 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 so so ascendant um you know do we do we produce them as books without the music and just just uh you know have it as an option to 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 pick up it it 
the amount of work, I mean, you know, these these two dropped everything and flew to Ireland in the middle of the Delta surge. And, uh, you know, I was I, I couldn't go. I was fully booked with work. It was it was like, you know, Patty said, hey, come over. And they said, we're going. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on. There's a pandemic, guys. That, that might not be the best time to travel. And and uh, and they said, no, um, you know, we have this opportunity we we have to take advantage of it um and uh and and they went and you know it, it is we are so fortunate that they did because you know less than two months later i think like six weeks later um patty passed um oh. and uh we would have we would have lost the opportunity to to share this music with him and and to interview him and get all of these uh recollections that um you know that's part of the story in the in the liner notes and in, in the the exploration um you know so the the amount of uh of research and um and legwork uh that um that uh, you know hawk and pete um put into these uh into these uh, uh liner notes is, is is you know truly impressive wow. is, yeah. you know our our, our sense a bear called these sonic journals right the, he was um, wanted to capture what did it sound like in that room that night, um, and to us, Bear Sonic Journals as a label, as a series, is trying to say, well, what else is there besides just the music? We have to get the music right, but if we want to truly take you back to the room, it's a little bit more than music. After fifty years have passed. So we want to get the stories. We want to get the oral, oral histories. We want to mm -hmm. find the old photographs. Um, we want to commission new art that captures the feeling of what it was like that night. Um, so to us, all of that together is the Sonic Journal. It's I, I can't I can't imagine. Like I understand the 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 convenience of things like Spotify and and downloading and streaming and you know, but you're missing half the story. Um, that way and the, the context is so important and that's why we, the book keeps getting bigger and bigger because we keep you know we, we keep following the uh it looks beautiful following the bit. narrative where it takes us um, wow it really does look beautiful oh, that big shit. That's, that's gorgeous i didn't know that that's, was a thing that's, that's almost frameable <laughs> that's amazing wow. so you yeah. can you can purchase Fine. that yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's the final. Okay. The, oh, I, I thought yeah. it was a book. I was like, oh yeah, shit. The and the 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 poster wow. of the gatefold uh, will be released on September second uh, as well in the general release date. It, um, that's where it's at to me. I love that you guys put uh, you know on the LP because that's the most. I'm I'm older. Like all, no, all of really? us sitting here, I want something tangible to hold them. Like to this day, I won't read an audio or, or I won't read a book like on. Kindle what, or whatever on Kindle or whatever. I gotta have the book in my hand. Screw that looking at an electronic screen with the with that light in your eyes and everything. And albums is yep. it's the best thing. You get well, all of that yeah, with it. There's something well, we tactile and, and tangible about it. I mean, you know, and, and the smell even. I mean, yes. like when I'm reading a book, it's it's I'm turning the pages, but you know, it's like I opened the book again and I remember the way the book smelled. Right. <laughs> yes. But, but we met um, we met this artist in Ireland. We wanted we said, um, what is Irish psychedelic? Oh, and wow. what so a we question. met with album artists while we were in Dublin. And this young guy, Connor Campbell, comes in and he comes in with 12 inch paintings. So the actual size of an album cover. 
And the details on these things, you needed uh, a 12-inch album cover to see all the little squiggles and marks. And he was even painting with stained glass paint. And uh, so we were going for this feeling of the Book of Kells. So the Book of Kells, it's this devotional art from a thousand years ago. And um, there is something almost psychedelic about it that these monks, monks were experiencing. And, um, you know, so we said to Connor, this is the feeling we're going through. Can you figure out, you know, what are these parallels? And um, so he ran with it. And my God, that it's worth getting the vinyl just mm-hmm. to see the amount of detail in, in Connor's paintings. Yeah. And it, it, sort of, if you hold it, hold it up again, what the um, full painting has is it, it, there's so many elements of the story that are inside of it. So you've got the big house over on the, on the far left there with the big Tudor frame house, capturing the big house versus the little house in the center. You see that little thatched roof hut sticking up in the middle. There's, of course, an Owsley Stanley 13 point lightning bolt on the tree right above the fox. There is, if you oh, go shit. over to the, to the right side, there's a three-eyed bear hiding behind the, um, behind the tree. And that, keep going, Stark. That, uh, that bear, bears have been extinct, I think, in Ireland for 2,500 years, but we brought back a ghost bear. Wow. Uh, yeah, you did. And then the, the story is called, the, the album is called The Fox Hunt because Jerry was fascinated with, the, Jerry Garcia was fascinated with the song, The Fox Hunt. And in 73, when he met the chieftains and they spoke on the radio show together, Big, Big Daddy, uh, Tom Donahue's radio show, um, Patty told us almost 50 years later that Jerry was fascinated with The Fox Hunt because of the way it tells a story of a hunt through several movements musically. You know, they get this oh. musical narrative of all of the, the, you know, all the movements show, you know, they're, hanging out at the, at the lodge, then they, the hounds pick up the scent, then they have the chase, and then they kill the poor fox, and then they go back and they get drunk some more. But what we wanted to make sure that was clear, so that this was a reflection of us and, and our values, and, and Patty, by the way, said that multiple times, including on the recordings, that it's probably a good thing that, that foxes aren't hunted anymore. We wanted to make sure it was very, very, very clear that anything having to do with a fox hunt here was not going to result in the demise of this poor fox. Yeah. No, he's actually <laughs> so, getting away in the picture. Going the other he's, way. he's getting away. Not only that, but the uh, hunters didn't bring any implements of hunting with them. They brought their instruments and some uh, glass of wine. Uh, they're so hun- they're they hunting dancing. Fox, you know, I mean, maybe they'd use harsh language, but throw their wine goblet at him. But uh, there's no way they were going to catch that fox. And that was kind of the point, too. So that's beautiful. And then on top of all that, with the stained glass it, it, it's and the, the journey, not the destination. That's <laughs> it. Exactly. Uh, there are, um, again, showing how much Connor understands us, there uh, are magic mushrooms uh, throughout the design in the underbrush. Uh, and I don't know if you'll be able to see any even <laughs> that close, but they're in there. Where's where Waldo? It kind is, of, it's, a... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an yep. Easter egg hunt. I yep. love that. That is that's gorgeous. amazing. You know, th- an aspect of this that we haven't talked about too is like, what is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. 
Listen wherever you get podcasts. You guys all understand morphogenics and that theory about the morphogenic field and like the more that energy is put into something, the more magical it becomes over time. People's thoughts going into it, you know, psychedelics have an energy about them, you know, mushrooms and LSD and whatever. But I think music has that same uh, magnetic attraction to energy over time. And this ancient music was originally, I'm talking back, 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 was Druid stuff. This was ritual music. And that became, you know, the folk music and all that. So the roots of this lie in magic. And this stuff coming out to the public, I mean, just think for a minute about Ireland itself is the home of the fairies and and all that and this music coming out carries that with it that that feeling and that magic and having you guys put this together in the way that you did is such a um like what you just showed us with the picture and all the stuff hidden in there it's a a visual representation of the the yeah. tradition of the thing it's there's a lot hidden in this and if you yeah. pay attention and look over time it will reveal itself you know what i mean but that's that's dope you guys that's i, I want to buy that yeah that artwork yeah. is beautiful yeah the attention to detail on uh, this is just mind-blowing yeah we um we we there it's funny because we we put a lot of work into into the the um the graphics on this and, and, and putting together the booklet, um, you know, beyond the, I mean, it's an enormous amount of work uh, in the writing, but then when we're trying to put it all together into a, a physical form, um, you know, trying to chasing the vision of the Fox hunt and, and honoring this art. I mean, we got this, we got this painting from Connor um, and it just, it, it was so evocative that, uh, it demanded that the that the booklet um you know be of a piece uh yeah. and and it was it was hard <laughs> it took it took a it took a lot of iterations and um you know and and we still we still you know we're right down to the wire trying to trying to tweak things and you know at a certain point it's like nobody else is going to know <laughs> nobody's yeah, going to know. know but but i know but we know yeah <laughs> but i wonder and, you know the, um, you guys were, you mentioned earlier, like how everything's become so digital and it really has. Have you all thought of creating a digital aspect of this in the sense of like, maybe like a digital booklet or like that digital, you know, the stories of Patty and, you know, everybody that kind of like, I already know you could do a lot of work and I'm throwing way more work at you, <laughs> well, but I, I know that's, I know. The pro- that's the problem. We've thought of it. You have it's like get, getting, getting yes. from the thought. Yes. Know, because the, this one specifically, well, yeah, this one specifically seems so alive. And so like the Fox chase, I could see that like kind of in my mind's eye with the music. And again, I know that all of what you're doing is a lot of work, the writing, the artwork, the travel, the, reconstruction the you know even just the emotion of it all of these things have an element to it um but to get it into these people that somehow just don't want to do the physical copy i just feel like it would be so beautiful and it could be something incredible you know like what getting this beauty into a digital 
you know, world would be amazing. Yeah, we, we you know, again, if, if budgets and time totally. were limitless, um, you know, we had actually reached out to a cartoon company in uh, Ireland that oh, wow. uh, did this incredible, like really psychedelic version of Book of Kells and transforming Book of Kells into a cartoon. Um, and we were an, wondering... An animated... Yeah, wanted to do kind of cartoon a cartoon saloon. They're called oh, yeah, cartoon cool. saloon, and uh, it it didn't work out. There wasn't enough time and there wasn't enough budget. Um, but uh, you know, we've many times for this project, uh, Ali Akbar Khan as well. So they, there's maybe it's something about instrumental music in particular, but it just lends itself to yes. graphic design mm-hmm. and and movement and uh, animation and. It just seemed a natural, we were thinking more in terms of like how we could tell the story through social media uh, mm. spots or posts. And uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't pan out for this one as it didn't really pan out with Ali Akbar Khan, mostly because of the cost, yeah. uh, cost and time. But if you follow us on Facebook, you'll see every week we've been revealing a different part of the story. Uh, and our person this week, we, we really wrote about our connection with Patty and had pictures of us in Ireland um, and and had a chance to really publicly speak about how much we were touched by his, his life and how devastated we were by his passing uh, in the middle of a project that he was very much hands-on, you know, and we sort of regrouped, picked ourselves up, looked at the project in a different way. Like, well, now we really got to, you know, turn this into something that's going to honor Patty's life and music and and the personal connection we felt with him. But that was this week's post. Next week's post is actually going to be about Connor uh, Campbell, the the artist, and introduce the world to this phenomenal 28-year-old, 30-year-old maybe uh, artist. Um, And, uh, you know, then we'll start to focus back on the music again and, and focus on certain of the musicians other than Patty, like Derek Bell, who's just a character. And everybody we talk to from, you know, Patty, Ricky Skaggs to Brian Masterson, the great sound man. Um, they all had a Derek Bell story. <laughs> God, okay. Just That's saying thing. something. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a totally unassuming heart player. Uh, Pete, do you think I, I could tell the James Galway story or will that have to be edited out? I think that's all right. <laughs> I, uh, I love it. Derek Bell, you got to get a picture of Derek. I mean, he's always wearing a suit and he's got glasses and he's sort of round faced, plays the harp. Totally unassuming, came out of the, I think, the Belfast uh, Symphony Orchestra when Patty recruited him. Um, but James Galway, do you, you familiar with who James Galway is, the, the Irish flute player? Um, is, you know, has quite a large ego. <laughs> okay. And okay. he had finally agreed to, to play with the Chieftains and they were going to do an album together. Um, the, the stars just aligned. And so he comes into the studio and, um, he starts warming up on, on the flute, uh, playing um, Flight of the Bumblebee. <laughs> and he's playing it and he's trying to be impressive. And Derek takes one look at him, grabs his oboe and plays it three times as fast. And then just puts his oboe down quietly. <laughs> the whole thing, note for note. Like, okay. And no, it's just, oh, it's, it's so priceless. Like, that's it's so all, like, classic. Are we showing like, not- off here? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't need to say anything. I mean, to me, like that reminds me of like the like 
we talked about sort of head chopping contests. It reminded me of like the roadhouse scenes, you know. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know where where you you got these these blues legends going at it, you know, lick for lick. Here <laughs> these two Irish traditional music musicians with great reputations, incredibly proficient at their craft, um, having this moment of of tension through the music in the studio. I just thought it was great. Derek Bell, for all of you out there, he looks like maybe Benny Hill a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit in a suit. Like, yeah. You know, that's the stuff that's awesome too, (laughs) is like finding out those those stories. And I, I can't imagine for you and, and Pete, like having the chance to go over there and, and hang out and like, cause this is regional. The music is definitely regional, right? It's, it's Irish music. And then going, getting the chance to go over there and like be, be where this stuff is from. Did it, did that give you guys like a completely different perspective on this? Yeah. I mean, there were parts to the story that, um, we, we don't speak the language, we don't speak the culture. And so what was common sense to them was foreign to us. So they kept talking, for example, they kept talking about Lugula, Lugula, and that meant nothing to us. <laughs> and they talked about Garrick Brown. And it turns out um, Garrick Brown is the heir to the Guinness fortune, right? right? So Lugula is his house. And when we say house, we're talking about uh, an ancient hunting lodge on land so large that it's, um, you know, 10% as big as Dublin itself. And, but this made no sense to us. And it's sort of like talking about Bill Gates's house here, right? Right. It evokes something. So finally they said, um, just drive out there. And I'm like, okay, okay. So, um, we're there. So we hop in the car and we drive out an hour outside of Dublin, go up this mountain and you look down and it's absolutely enormous. And uh, suddenly we started to understand that um, Patty, who's a little house guy, right? He's, uh, his dad is a police sergeant. Right. Um, he's a man of the people. And uh, his, his best friend over there was the Guinness heir. And they're the same age. And it turns out that this heir to the Guinness fortune loved traditional Irish music. And he was like an Alan Lomax over there. He drove around with tape decks and would record at pubs and record at um, county fairs. And Patty was hot shit. So he sees Patty out there um, as a teenager, you know, just wiping it up as this master of his instrument. And uh, Garrick befriends him and kind of takes him in and for the rest of his life, he had this uh, very close friendship with um, Garrick at this place, Lugula, which we finally find out that this young, long yarn we've been pulling on is sort of like a, a salon. It's like um, this boozy place where Mick Jagger's hanging out and Paul McCartney's hanging out and, uh, and Patty's there, you know, amongst all these people. And um, it just didn't make any sense if we hadn't been there and we hadn't been in the room with these Irish people talking about it. It never would have made any sense, but it really enriched the whole story. Well, and that just goes to show that music is like the great equalizer when it comes to like money and station and, you know, personality and stardom and whatever. Lowest to highest, when you meet with music, that all ends 
and now we have common ground to stand on. That's the shit. That's what it's all about right there, man. Um, so gentlemen, for all the people that are now ready to buy the LP, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> where, yeah. where do they go? Where, what do they do if they want to get the CD or the, or the LP? Uh, you can go to Owsley Stanley foundation.org. Uh, O W S L E Y S T A N L E Y foundation.org. Um, got all of our releases there. Uh, you can buy it in, in vinyl or CD or both. Um, everyone and, uh, get the poster too. Yeah, the poster will be available. Yep. All of it's available September 2nd. Every one of them wow. is as good as this. As the like they're, they're all like the attention to detail and the mastery. Well, I would say is amazing. I would say too, like for any music teachers out there. Oh yeah! What an incredible pairing the Owsley Stanley Foundation can be for your students. And I'm just throwing that out there to anybody who's listening because what you gentlemen are doing is really retaining the history of the musicianship and the recording one in the same. And that is very special in addition to the history yep. of the musicians. And that is invaluable to somebody. I know a lot of these days, um, some kids that are playing music well, don't know the history to the music that they're playing. And it's not anyone's fault, but when you package it in such a beautiful way, what a, an, a great enticer for for younger generation that, wow, people really took a lot of time and effort to tell the story, preserve the music and share it. Like this is something, like I said, that could really be um, like a game changer in a music class. So thanks for that. And I just wanted to say that to anybody who's thinking about, you know, like teaching, because this would, this, like if somebody, if I'm in a music class and you present not only this beautiful artwork, but all of that, I'd talk about buying, of course I'd buy it, but like just the the act of like learning and, and eating it up while you're learning the music, it, it, it changes it. So thank you for doing that. What were you going to say? Apple? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say it's a class every time. So you, you are uh, definitely our most uh, repeat guests. Every time we Which hear, we love. every time we hear something <laughs> from you, we get so excited, especially the, the back and forth. I like, like tell us what's up next, and you're like, well, we can't. No. Like let, the anticipation, the mystery. There's there's yeah. the fun mystery. Happening. Every every time we know that we're gonna sit down with you guys, which you know we usually know a few weeks or so in advance. The anticipation building up yeah. to sitting down with you all, you know, it. You're, you're teachers too. You're yeah. we learn so much from we're we're usually the most quiet of any interviews when yeah. we talk to you guys <laughs> because we're just you're giving us the knowledge of what goes into this. And it's great to have you on here this time as yeah, well, Pete. Pete. Yeah, and here you know, see another person behind this, and it, it, like Mel said, just thank you so much for doing this, and also Hawk. It was so amazing to get to meet mm. you in person when we were at Peace yeah. Tra- when we walked in there and saw. First of all, they set you up in an awesome place yeah, for spot, the booth man. and yeah, everything. You know, like all the traffic went by there. And to see you there was just so amazing. I can't wait because it's going to happen. We're all going to get a meet someday and be in the same place or something. I just thank you so much for what you're doing. Like Mel said, for this is going to teach people stuff. It teaches us yeah. 
you know, especially when you get older, you get a little more jaded, like, oh, I know everything about music and stuff. And you guys are bringing us, you're taking us to class every time. Yeah. I don't know about all that, dude. I don't know. Yeah. Shit and, well, and this one is going to, this one's going to jump up there because the Ali Akbar Khan is yeah. definitely the one I've listened to the most. Me too. Because I play it like going to bed, waking up. That that one, it, you know, I, I've listened to that so many times. And we've turned so many people onto that mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Like, that's my, that's yes. my you know, that's one day. of the, one of the things I love to share with people is just like you need to know about Alzi Stanley, like Ali Akbar Khan, all of these incredible ones. People don't know, yeah. and so to be able to you know turn people on, and then there's so much to like follow up with. That's amazing. Well, well the, and the Johnny Cash one too. When that one, because so many that 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 gets so many demographics yeah. involved with Johnny Cash. Yeah, Everybody he, has a Johnny. That's Cash. an intersection. I listen to it with my grandpa or this or that, and it's like you think you know everything Johnny Cash. Listen to this shit and then talk to me tomorrow. Yeah, and it has blown so many yeah. people's minds that I that I know and have been like. Okay, listen to this, and then, you know, then let's talk. And for all those people out there that, like, love this as much as we do, I want to remind everybody, like, you can sponsor a reel. Yes. yes. Like, you can save this stuff. This These tapes are Be magnetic. part of it. And that magnetism goes away over time. They're trying to save this stuff. And you can sponsor a reel if you go to the Alzey Stanley Foundation website and... You know, yeah. work it it's out something we talk about doing yeah. all the time when we get the cheddar to, to <laughs> do. We would love to be part of a, you know, sponsoring a reel. It, yeah. it, it, Great. So, guys. In, in fact, this this very release, uh, the reels were originally sponsored by uh, Adopt a Reel patrons. Oh, really? Right on. Yes. So they right get uh, they get a liner notes credit where it says Adopt a Reel patron. And yeah. um, oh, there the okay. really cool thing was uh, Dave's Picks 43. Uh, one of the shows was also sponsored by an, they're both Owsley tapes uh, for Dave's picks 43 for the Grateful Dead. Um, and one of them uh, was reintroduced to, to Dave Lemieux when one of our patrons preserved the reel. Jeffrey Norman heard it in the transfer process and said, Dave, you got to check this out. This is really, really good. Um, and they selected that one and then they gave, uh, liner notes credit to the Owsley Stanley Foundation adopt a real patron. Uh, in the yeah. notes. And we, we did the, we did the liner notes, uh, one of the sections of the liner notes as well. That's, that's one of the cool parts about the adopt a real thing is like, you can't pick you can't, you, and you don't know <laughs> what you're going to get. It could be anything. And you could be the next adopt a real patron that does the next Dick's picks or not. Maybe. Who knows? It's going to be cool. As long as people go into it with sort of the right sort of frame of mind that, you know, this, you never know what's on the tape until it's preserved. And, you know, it's, it's never fun to say, you know, that tape you, you sponsored didn't really have anything on it. Um, but that's, a, that's, a, that's a very, that's a very rare occasion. Um, yeah. Some dude or it whistling. doesn't have on it what we thought it had on it. It has something completely different on it, which is cool, but it might not be what you thought. Yeah, you, that, you know. It's like the musical lottery. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just it, great. What you all, roulette wheel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just thanks for what you all created. It's it's great, and like Apple said, it was great to meet you, Hawk, in person, yeah, give man. you a hug, and that just, was that was wonderful. Right, like, you guys, it was so funny. Just, you know, different. You see people in different contexts. That's and right. Aaron came up to the table. I recognized him first. I'm like, I know this guy. I know that voice. I know all three of these voices. But, and you can you can probably see my brain. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we saw processing, it. Processing, <laughs> processing. processing. 
<laughs> yeah, it no, it's, it's it's funny. I was running into that yesterday too. That that contextual memory. It's like you know, it, it, when you have so many different things going on in different different uh, groups of people, and then somebody comes up to you in a in a in a space that doesn't place you where you know them from, and it's like this person, I know this person. <laughs> Who the hell are they? Yeah, yeah Pete, have, have we met before? No, that was the first time. No, Pete. Oh, Pete. Oh, no. Uh, no, we 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 haven't. I, I've um, I don't, I don't usually get out to the festivals. My I have younger kids. Um, so no, it's a pleasure to meet you, though. Yeah, you too. It, you just you look, do look familiar, look right? Familiar. I thought yeah, the when same we were thing. Sitting here, I'm like, where where do I know him from? But well, we 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 uh, you know, I mean, before we had kids, <laughs> I vaguely recall that. <laughs> Right on, you guys. Oh, yeah. Thanks, what a guys. treat and a pleasure to spend time with you all today. Thank you so much. Have really, great, great. Wait, always. hold, hold, hold on. I'm just gonna do it because we always do. And what's the next one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking forward to whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, man. Hey, we hey, look Apple. so forward to Apple. doing this again. I know what it is. What I do? It's, yeah. it's music. Oh, it's <laughs> music. Oh. And no, not only is it music, it. It's good music. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Well, right on. Keep and, doing what you're doing, man. We love you guys. You yeah. guys, uh, thanks so I, I, much. I will give, give 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 one hint about the next one. Oh, uh, shit. We are um, almost finished with it, actually. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna have uh, five or six different artists will be playing on it. Uh, it'll be a three CD set. The booklet. If you thought this booklet was big, oh, <laughs> the wow. next one's even bigger. Right on. Okay, so, okay, so, so we're not going to have to wait too long. Of, we wrote a section about each of the artists. So, Pete, since you're yeah. new to No Simple Road, what is it? <laughs> I, I might be new to Old Simple Road, but I'm, I still know your tricks. <laughs> God, damn it! No. Well, we love yeah. it. All right, guys, thanks and for you know, the the, um, the 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 media books that we discovered with the um, with the Johnny Cash release the the this this little hard hardcover bound book format um we just we just love it because it, it is it is su- such a so well suited to our approach to to presenting the music and you know it, it it's uh, i wish we had found it earlier <laughs> yeah. um so that we could uh you know and I've, i'm i keep telling i keep telling the guys that we when we run out of stock for our earlier releases, we're going to have to redo them all, you know, in, in this format so that we have the books. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, when it's we like got a collector's it. item for all of them, you know, yeah, that when, yeah. when we got it in the mail, I was like, yeah, Oh, we got a gift. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Right Aww. on you guys. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yes. And if you need anything from us in the meantime, let us know. Okay. Yeah. Likewise. All right. Uh, all right. Looking forward to, to hearing this. And it's always a pleasure to be on. Take Thank care guys. guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Yep. You know what? I think I think we should just like put music to this and and put it out. Yeah, the, the, they these guys these guys definitely speak for themselves. Yeah, let's That's just what they do. I don't think there needs to be an intro or an outro on this. I think we can just do this. Yep. We just implore you to go check these guys out and what do you think? Get though? into what they're doing. I mean, doing. if everybody's on the bandwagon, absolutely. I mean, it it really is a standalone. There's yeah. we love talking to them. We're always happy when they're back. We're interested because sometimes, I mean, we didn't know about this music. We didn't, I mean, the Chieftains, we never heard a specific 
only I, I knew the name. CD, yeah. you know, we didn't know about Patty. We had no idea about any of this. And so they come, it, it feels like a standalone episode on its own. Right. And I, I just, I, um, because this just came out, I don't want yeah, to, to wait weeks to get this out. I, I just, I want to do these guys right. Get it out quick. Yeah, yeah. this is good. Yeah. This is, yeah, this can become available September 2nd. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Cool. So we can yeah. wait a little bit. All right. Yeah. So anyway, well, it stood along on its own, but now we commentated quite a bit. I'm going right to stand on my <laughs> yeah, own no, out on the yeah, porch here in a minute. Guys. All right, guys. Wow. Love you guys. Gals, both. tell you about the April May 2023 issue of Relics magazine features a Dave Matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com/dmb. Thanks Relics. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.